we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Wake that ass up in the morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Jess Hilarious, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Got the brother D1. Welcome, yes, brother. Indeed. Man, thank y'all for having me, man. I didn't know this was your first time up here. I thought for sure you was up here, but D1 was up here before. You serious, bro? I, I honestly did. Man, well, hey, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. That means my presence must be getting felt, you heard me, even if I wasn't here. That's, you know, because you, you run into D1 so much. So least, many times, like, yeah. Back in the day, I used to run into D1 a lot. You know, yeah. D1 just be, you know, you be out. Yeah, you be popping touching up, the people. Man. Yeah, th- there you go. Touching the people. That's that's always been the goal. I've been to your book signings before, yep. you heard me, yep. in South Carolina. Yep. I just seen you backstage at A3C. Yep. Like, really working because I, I never had anything given to me in this industry. So when I stopped being a middle school teacher back in Louisiana, I was like, damn, I'm about to be a rapper now. It was important for me to go out there and make it happen. So how you make it happen? You form organic connections. Yeah, I saw, uh, you know, you showed me the tweet. I saw you when you posted it earlier this week, but uh, when he did the cypher back in 2014. Yes, sir. I just tweeted D1 spitting. Yep. Because he was, mm-hmm. you yep. know? So it's good to see you still 10 mm-hmm. years later. Bro. Yeah. 
organic, bro. Uh, longevity is so hard to mm-hmm. accomplish in this industry. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I pride myself on is mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was a teacher in Louisiana, Um, I used to be Fredo Bang's middle school teacher. You heard me? Like, wow. literally. And I remember before I told my class, like, look, I'm about to stop teaching after this year to be a rapper. I was like, dang, is there going to be longevity in the music industry the way there is if I was to stay being a teacher? And all these years later, I'm still here and still ascending. You heard me? So that's God, bro. That's why I know my path is divine. Nobody could say, well, D, you had this person that put you on. God orchestrated my blessings, bro, mm-hmm. to where nobody could get the credit except for him from me. Now, you, you said Fredo Bangs. I was going to say that. I was going to ask you. Tell, you said you were Fredo Bangs' teacher. Did you know when <clears throat> you were teaching him that he was going to be a rapper, he was going to be a star? Not at all. No. Now, I just knew he was a funny little dude. He was cool. He had a sense of humor. And he was smart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And he was not to be played with. He was serious. Mm -hmm. You know, he was serious about just demanding his respect. But he was just a cool dude. Mm. I just did a a video with him um, because he put out an album called Yes, I'm Sad. Mm Mm-hmm. And like you know, I did a video with him encouraging him to go to go to therapy, and then I connect, actually connected him with a therapist. That's that's coming out soon. Good. He actually sat down with a real therapist. I mean, I, I I don't suggest people broadcast it, but if they want to, I'm not mad at it. What know? if people broadcast going to therapy? Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, 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 sitting down like the actual session, like oh, the actual session. I think they're doing the actual session. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Really? Yeah, I think. I did that once for VH1, and I'll never do no shit like that again. Yeah, bro, because it's hard to be transparent. That's right. You know what I'm saying? It's super hard to be. I went to therapy, actually, right after that BET Cypher. I started going to therapy, bro. Mm -hmm. I was signed to RCA at the time, right? And, you know, you're on the BET Cypher. You're thinking your life about to change after this night. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And nothing changed after that night. You know what (laughs) I mean? Nothing changed after that night. So I was like... Damn, man. And I was feeling like I know I'm the underdog in this industry because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm on some I'm on some righteous stuff. I'm on some put God first stuff. I come from New Orleans. Like after that, I felt like I blew my shot and it it started messing with me, me with me mentally to where I was like, dang, I kind of don't even want to be here no more. Not in the industry, but on this earth. Mm-hmm. And when I started realizing like then I'm having suicidal thoughts mm-hmm. behind feeling like I'm professionally a failure, I realized I couldn't separate David from D1 at that point. Mm-hmm. And that was unhealthy, you know what I mean? And for the first time in life, I went to therapy because I was like talking to my friends that ain't getting it at this point, talking to my grandma, rest in peace, that ain't cutting it at this point. So therapy really did help me, but ultimately what helped me even more than therapy was understanding my God-given purpose. For like, man, I know who my creator is. I know why I was put here. And I was put here to glorify him. So who am I to think that my whole life is a failure because one moment didn't elevate me professionally? Yeah, I wonder about that um, because, you know, you went you was in, you went to LSU, right? Yeah, I graduated mm-hmm. from LSU. You got, you, you got kicked off the basketball, basketball team. team. Yeah. So you didn't have those thoughts then? like Man, no. My freshman year, um, first, before I got kicked off the basketball team, my girlfriend cheated on me with a couple football players. Lord have mercy. Yeah. Oh, stop, man. He you said feel, a couple, not even one. Jesus. Yeah, you feel that pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I still, my heart just jumped when I said it, actually. Mine too. Mm-hmm. Man, that stuff, that happened freshman year. Then I got cut from the basketball team. Then my roommate started selling drugs. You heard me? When we got to LSU, he, we shared a dorm room. Then one of my best friends in New Orleans got murdered. So mm-hmm. I got that. I got the text message when I was in uh, English class. I looked down at my phone. And my homegirl told me that uh, my boy Ryan had just got murdered, right? Mm. All this happened freshman year. Mm -hmm. So that was the first life-changing, like, Mm -hmm. rock-altering moment that I had. And during that time, I could have found the streets. I could have found a lot of stuff. I found God in a real way. 
in a real way. Like, like not in just like a, we from the South. So we all believe in God, but like, no, like I get it. Like I submit everything to you, God, from this day moving forward. My only role model I'm trying to be like is Jesus. You heard me? Yeah. That, and, and I started living like that and I started rapping. Rapping was my therapy at that time. So when I started rapping, I had a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why would I glorify murder when my best friend just got murdered? Mm. Why would I glorify mm-hmm. smashing your girl when a couple football players just smashed my girl? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Why would I glorify a whole bunch of money that I know I ain't got? Right. You feel me? <clears throat> when when, when that, that ain't just how I'm living. So from day one, rap was an outlet for me to be able to spit reality. But you got to make that reality charismatic and entertaining. So I just had to get real good mm-hmm. at spitting reality. You from Baton Rouge, right? No, I'm from New Orleans. New Orleans. I went okay. to college in Baton Rouge, and I taught in Baton Rouge. Okay. Let me ask you a question. You know, they consider you a, a Christian rapper, right? I don't know. I don't know if they do or not, you know? Because the reason is, is I feel like they put you in a box, but there's a lot of rappers that preach positivity and exactly. don't preach gang, don't preach guns, don't preach violence. And they're not put in that same box, but they seem to put you in that box. You know why? It's because they smart. The other rappers, they crafty. I ain't gonna say it's smart. They crafty though. They'll have a positive message, but then they'll sprinkle in some, but I'll smash your girl. You know what I mean? Or, or like, my partners will come spin the bin and, 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 and murk you. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll slide a little bit of that in there. Put the medicine in the candy. There you go. But I don't think that's, uh, I don't think, wait, you mean put the candy in the medicine? No, put the medicine in the candy. Put the medicine in the candy. Yeah. yeah. So they, so they, and I, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's uh, wise, cause I, I, it's just like that kind of comes across lukewarm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So with me, it's one of the things where I was like, if I gotta sacrifice a little bit of professional like growth in order to say I'm gonna be uncompromising about my message, I'm down for it. Cause mm-hmm. wherever I get. That's where I was meant to be in God's eyes. You know, a lot of people got selfish ambition, mm-hmm. and that's different from godly ambition. What godly ambition is, God, I just want to make you proud, and wherever that land me at, I'm content. Selfish ambition is the world telling me to chase being a billionaire. The world telling me this is the newest car to get. The world telling me that this the brands I need to be rocking. That selfish ambition that had you chasing a moving target for your whole life, and I never fell victim to that because... Around the time I was starting to get materialistic, I went to Ghana when I was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. I saw real poverty. I thought I grew up in the hood till I went to Ghana. You feel right, me? Right. I came back, man. I'm not tripping on wearing Jabo jeans no more. I'm not tripping on, you know, having to, yeah, have this jewelry and be like the hot boys or whatever. Man, I just seen people who they joy is their weapon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't need to carry no gun. My joy is my weapon moving forward. I want my smile to light the room up when I come in there. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been on for a long time. So you apply that to the rap game. And people going to be like, oh, he different. And because he different and he he loved God, he a Christian rapper. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If that's what people call me, cool. But a lot of people, they just like, nah, bro. He's a college professor. Mm-hmm. He's a Harvard University fellow. He's a dope rapper. He's an activist. He's, you know, he's a bunch of things. He's an author. This is my children's book I just wrote. Mm-hmm. David found his slingshot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that I wrote that at Harvard last year. And it's, it's, uh, it's based on you being bullied while growing up, right? <laughs> Thank you. Man, I used to get bullied when I was in kindergarten, you know, like a lot of people. Um, and when I was bullied, at the time, I ain't know how to, you know, I ain't know how to get over that. So mm-hmm. this is an anti-bullying hip-hop children's book because, uh, yeah, bro, just like the story of David and Goliath. David was able to de- defeat Goliath when he found his slingshot. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Mm-hmm. David didn't use nobody else's weapons. When they was like, here, take this shield, take this sword. He was like, nah, I'm good on that. I know what my gift is. My gift is using this slingshot. Mm. The way I overcame my bully 
is I found my slingshot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you read the book, you, you realize what my slingshot is, mm-hmm. but you realize that we all got a slingshot. And when you find your slingshot in life and you use it for the purpose God designed it for, you're going to defeat the Goliaths in your world, too. I love that. You know, you know, when Biggie said, uh, I'm black and ugly as ever, however, I always say that all of us have a however. All of mm-hmm. us got a however. All of us bro. got a however. Thank you, bro. And that's, I just want hip-hop to start being... Like, hip-hop is my slingshot, clearly, bro. Rapping is what got me here. I'm on The Breakfast Club right now, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, this is huge. Like, I don't want to act like this is just normal to me. I know every thought I've been here, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Bro, this is still a big deal to me, bro. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are cheering for me right now. A lot of people who've been a part of my whole journey. But I just want us to, like, look at hip-hop as being a tool that we could use in a more healthy way to to... To help us reach our goals in life, bro. If you listening to music and if you making music, it shouldn't have to glorify murder. It shouldn't have to glorify drug dealing. It shouldn't have to do that shit go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't have to do all that stuff in order to get us where we going in life, man. And I'm just trying to show people that I'm a success story. So if I could do it, why other people can't do it? D1, that's just hilarious. Just hilarious. Up, I can have a hug. How you doing? Now you got a book for you. Oh, I know that's right. Yeah. Now you, oh, I saw this before you came in. Okay, this is good. Yeah. Now, you were very vocal uh, about uh, rappers using their platform. Uh, on, you spoke man. about, of course, Meek and Jim Jones and Rick Ross, and you were upset with, you felt like the music that they put out was hurting the youth opposed to helping. Yeah. Now, break that down a little bit. Yeah. And, because and, all those brothers in their music have uplifting songs and positive songs. It's not just all about bang, bang, shoot them up, F your girl. But right. you felt like the singles that they put out were... Well, I just feel like we got a lot of selective outrage in the black community in general. A lot of selective outrage. If a white person say the N-word one time, all it takes is one time for them to say it, we at their top. Mm-hmm. We on their head. Oh, no, you said the N-word? Oh, we trying to cancel you? We'll never let you forget that. But if artists, if it's like, yo, well, they rap about murdering people, you know, in 50% of their songs, but in the other 50% or in 80% of their songs, but 20%, they rapping about economic empowerment and, 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 and some positive stuff. Like, shouldn't that be okay? We're content with a state of lukewarmness. You know what I'm saying? That's mm. something that I'm just like, yo, that's confusing. That's confusing to these kids. I'm with the kids on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You feel me? I'm, I'm a college professor currently, in addition to being a rapper. Like, I'm seeing that these kids who ain't from the trenches at all, now their identity is rooted in like, well, if I'm black, I got to be able to relate to this type of music to even feel like I'm authentically black. And that's because that's what's getting pushed. And I'm just telling the artists, like, bro, we know, like, we made it from that. We shouldn't have to be glorifying that stuff. There's a difference between narration and glorification. Mm -hmm. You feel me? When you're narrating something, man, I came from this hood. I came from the east side, Nightwater, New Orleans. I seen this. My best friend got killed. Glorification is, look, I'm going to be the one to come when I get off Breakfast Club and come merc something. I'm going to be the one to come mm. slide on my ops. I'm going I'm to give my young boy a bag to go and, and get you dead. You know what I'm saying? We are content with the glorification of drug dealing and murdering and disrespecting our women. And that's a problem, bro. What if we... Uh, is it not? What if, it is. It's, a, it's definitely a problem. What if we switched our... Our, our mindset about how we look at the music. Like, is there a way to look at the music as just entertainment the same way we look at movies you, or you, TV shows? You being serious right now? Or are you I'm, just I'm playing honest. devil's advocate? I'm, I'm being honest, because none of these people, all these people are in character. It's not like they're saying, hey, my name is such and such. They're, they're all in character. Well, we do it in movies and TV shows. We know it's not real. And they glorify <laughs> it even worse, probably, than the music. I think, I yeah, I don't, you playing. 
Thank you. Serious. Thank you, Jen. No, yeah, get your butt. Yeah. But, I, but I also feel like what Charlamagne says, not to say it, I, and I get what you're saying, it's an influence, but we know these our rappers ain't killing nobody. No, we don't know that. Majority of them. Yeah, we can't say we know They're that. They're not running around shooting nobody. Majority of them. Bro, are you serious? They are. Heavy. They are. I, listen, listen. <laughs> thank you, bro. <laughs> thank you, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, I just watched y'all show the other day, bro. I'm a fan mm-hmm. of the show, first of all. Mm-hmm. I just watched the show when y'all had my brother uh, French Montana French up Montana here. Yeah. And D-thing the and, young uh, brother with Ken French. The, not, yeah. not, the, not the young queen, but the yeah, young yeah. brother with yeah, French. D-thing. He was like, y'all, you was like, yo, French smashing other uh, rappers' wives. French was like, nah, that's rap cap. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that. Yeah. Uh, the young brother was like, man, I make drill rap. Like, what you mean? If we ain't living it, like, shoot, that's lame. We gotta be living it. Right. Charlamagne, they telling you that, bro. They telling you, like, no, Mm -hmm. this ain't just, uh, fiction rap. Like, this is non-fiction. Rap is implied that it's autobiographical and you telling your real story. You hear me? D1 is just a stage name. It's not a character. It's an extension of who David Augustine Mm -hmm. is. That's what rap is, bro. I can remember my favorite rap lyrics from the Hot Boys from 20 years ago. I can't, re- I don't, I don't walk around quoting my favorite movies from 20 years ago, line for line, from the whole movie. Mm. But I can rap you any Lil Wayne lyrics from 20 years ago. I definitely got me a 38 uh, snub nose because of Tupac and Juice. A 30. But that was a movie though. That's what I'm saying. Mm. I've definitely been influenced. I can't say that I haven't been influenced by movies. You I mean, been old, though. That's we are way about. more influenced by music than yeah. than we are movies, bro. And at the same time, when mm-hmm. the last time you seen these these actors from movies out here getting killed and getting uh, Rico charges and getting put in jail? Mm-hmm. I agree. Thank you. So since we agree with that, it's it's clear that like music has this pull on us, but we content with this state of lukewarmness. Yo, mm-hmm. I'm telling y'all, and all I'm saying is we are massively successful. Who's sitting here right now? All us massively successful with our platform, like. I feel called to not make the next generation feel content with uh with saying, yeah, like, let's glorify this stuff, but not let's just not go do it in real life. I wonder if you can narrate without glorifying. I don't think you can, though, because even somebody like I think about a Jay-Z. Jay-Z has always been a narrator. He's always told you the good, the bad, the ugly, the consequences, everything. That don't mean you still won't go out there and experience it for yourself. Nah. Because a lot of times, but Nas the same way. You think Nas glorifies? I mean, he narrates it, you know. Like I can't. It's just to me, it's kind of the Nas same. Nas talks about it, and thing. a lot of his album. Nas talks about a lot of the life that he lived in Queens, and a lot of it was the stuff that we're talking about—drugs and guns and all, and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But Nas also has a lot of records that's positivity, Positive, uplifting yeah. the youth. Oh no, and, I'm, and I'm saying, I'm saying Nas is Nas my favorite rapper. Mm-hmm. I'm saying like Nas inspired me to be like, oh. It's a sophisticated hood dude, same as me. Like, I can relate to that. Like, he clearly smart, but he's seen a lot of stuff. He's been through a lot of stuff. Glorifying something is just simply saying, bro, how many records that are either getting played on the radio or that's at the top of these playlists nowadays, how many records are glorifying, I'm I'm going to spin on my ops, I'm I'm spinning the bin, I'm sliding on you, I'm finna bust your head. Like, a lot of them. Come on, hey, thank you. Mm-hmm. That's glorification, bro. Mm-hmm. Narration is saying, yo... I seen this stuff in my past. This happened to my best friend. Da 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 da. Man, one of my students murdered another one of my students who I used to teach. Mm-hmm. This is real life. If I'm narrating that, I'm still talking about murder, but I'm not glorifying it like that's to be uh, uh, replicated and duplicated. You feel me? I wonder mm-hmm. about uh, people's environments too, though, because I feel like the environment you come up in influences you way more than music would. I just think the problem sometimes is that people provide soundtracks. For the environment. Okay. Okay. So that's where as OGs in hip hop and as success stories, 
we should be able to, yo, to the youngins coming up, let me show you how you can take that environment and make your environment be a product of you. Because you was chosen, you hear me? Mm-hmm. If you're an artist and you got a huge platform, you know what our responsibility is? It's to make the revolution irresistible. That's a famous quote. The role of the artist is to make the revolution irresistible. That means you can take something, you could take concrete, and you could be that rose that grew from it. And have everybody looking like, how did you do that? And it's like, I'm going to show y'all, I'm going to give y'all a blueprint. Mm-hmm. We chosen, yo. You know how many people rap in this world? Mm-hmm. But they're not here right now. Like, I'm cl- I clearly was chosen. It's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. I could spit with the best of them. I'm better than 95% of the rappers in this world. I know that. You know what I'm saying? Right. But with that being said, it still takes more than just talent. So I was chosen. So it's like, dang, since I made it, what's my responsibility? It's not to keep feeding lies to people. I didn't have rappers had these type of convos with me outside the booth. And then the engineer be like, all right, the beat is ready. And they 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 leave from their chair. They go hop in the boot and they go kill 40 people. Mm-hmm. In that song, you know what I mean? <laughs> but some, but some of your favorite rappers do the same. Like you talked about Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne has has, has said it. Jay has said it. Nas no, that's not. That's it. not. But there's also a lot of rappers that are doing it on the positive side. You got your Chance the Rappers. You got your J Cole's. You got your Kendrick. Lamar. Even the new ones. I love La Russell. You, you got La Russell. Yeah. I love Rhapsody. You got yeah. Rhapsody. I love Kendrick. I love yeah. Cole. I get what you say. I feel like the last ten years of hip hop, at least the guys that were really, really on top, right, with the exception of maybe Future, they're nothing like the artists we grew up on. Like J. Cole, Kendrick, Drake, right. they're nothing. Right. Like we grew up on some C B four the envy was putting guns in his Manolo Blonics because rappers was talking Not about Manolo it. Manolo Blonics you know I mean? was Timberlands, but go ahead. Whatever it was, I'm saying like we grew, up on, like, we grew up in the era of you had to be hardcore. You had to be Facts. gangster just to survive. Facts. You know? Well, think about it like this. We can name all of the artists who y'all saying got a message in their music probably on two hands. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. there's whole genres of rap, trap rap. Drill rap. Mm-hmm. A genre consists of like hundreds of artists. Mm-hmm. They got whole genres that's dedicated to the murder music at this point. They got whole genres that's dedicated to the negativity being glorified. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, with our young queens, our women, what, what's being rapped about? Vagina, booty, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Just the power of what's between your legs. <laughs> yeah. Booty hole, okay. Yeah. Booty nah, hole. New Orleans people say booty. Like how <laughs> yeah. we say it. We say bunky, though. Yeah. But, like, so, but how do you change that? Because, I, I, you know, how do you change that? Because I, I heard you say it in the interview, is like, you know, a lot of these rappers you feel are serving two masters, right? Yeah. The man upstairs and then, or the man and woman upstairs and then also the money. Yeah. So how do you change that? You got to pick one. Mm-hmm. And who created you? Did money create you or did God create you? Mm-hmm. God created you. So that's who you're supposed to be serving. Don't become a slave to a green piece of paper. Shout out to my brother Styles P. Man, that's a song of his. I live my whole life for a green piece of paper. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, dang, that, that song hit me back when I was in school. Because I was like, dang, I don't want to live my whole life for a green piece of paper that could be torn up. And then once you tear it up, it has no value. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that, man. You don't and, think at, at, at you know people have to evolve? They have to they have to see it in themselves. Like we seen Jay evolve, we seen Styles P evolve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of these people. Styles was stabbing people. Yeah, Styles was like Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah, I'm you gotta put it all no, out. No, there, no, no, no. I mean, no, because I always tell D Block that I love D Block. I love their growth and their evolution. But growing up, when I used to listen to D Block music, I used to want to stab somebody with something sharp. There you go. Hold <laughs> on, you you just said it. Oh, influence, not, right? I, do want, I don't disagree influence. with that. This man had Queensbridge on the side of his head when he had hair. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I I, I want you to know, I don't disagree with nothing you're saying. The only thing I want is that um, I don't like when you say what you say and then people take it away and then they want to 
get violent. I'm like, yo, how can we just have a conversation? Right. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want people to hear you. Yeah. Because you're not wrong. Not wrong at all. Yeah. And I don't have any beef with any artists, by the way. Like, I'm full of love. I hope y'all could feel that radiating Mm -hmm. from me. I'm also knowing that, like, man, time is ticking, man. We all got an expiration date. Mm -hmm. And we don't know when it is. Mm -hmm. When I was in college, you heard me? And I had three dudes walk up on me out the blue. I was playing one-on-one basketball with my boy, and these dudes walked up. They thought we had broken their homeboy's car. You heard me? So they was like, man, y'all broken our partner car? We was like, nah, not at all. They was like, man, y'all lying. One of the dudes pulled a gun out. Dude got a gun right here on my temple. You know what I'm saying? Real quick, I got my hands up like this. I'm like, damn, bro. I never thought I'd die the same way my best friend just got killed a couple years ago. I thought my life was over right there. By the grace of God, a girl was walking to her apartment. She looked down at the basketball court. She was like, like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? And they looked up, and they, they got spooked, so they put the gun up. They ran, right? In that moment, I was like, oh, shoot. I'm sure it's an impact over income. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, because if I had died in that moment, all the money that I had, that money couldn't have did nothing. Mm-hmm. But the impact that I left in this world, that impact would be here forever even after my life was gone mm-hmm. so that's when i was like i'm not gonna be i was a business major you feel me i used to intern for jimmy henchman up here in new york mm-hmm. when i was in college i was gonna work in corporate america man i was like forget that i'm gonna be a teacher i became a middle school teacher when i was a middle school teacher one of my students came in class one day with mob tatted on his arm the sandwich Charlemagne had qb tatted on his head mm-hmm. right my <laughs> student came in with mob on his arm mm-hmm. i said bro what made you get that tattoo you know what that stands for right money over Mm-hmm. He was like, no, sir, I don't know what that means. And I was like, then why did you get it? Because his favorite rapper, Lil Wayne, has it tattooed on his chest. Mm-hmm. The influence. And when Wayne I saw the influence. Wayne probably got that from Pac. Huh? Wayne probably got and that from Wayne Pac. And Wayne probably got that from Pac. Bro, mm-hmm. that made me want to be a rapper. And I was like, I want to be a rapper because of the influence right. that I see that rappers mm-hmm. are having, man. That's it, bro. So, been in this game, just dropped my 11th album, you heard From me? the hood to Harvard. From the hood to Harvard. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about uh, working with Jimmy Henson. I was going to ask you about that. Like, Just walk walk me through that experience. What was that like? Well, I needed to graduate. I was a marketing major, mm-hmm. so I had to have an internship under my belt. And at the time, I was like, dang, he was managing the game. Mm-hmm. I feel like he had uh, Rick Ross. He had mm-hmm. uh, Gucci Man. You know what I'm saying? He had uh, Brandy. He had a few different people, and I was like, dang, this is crazy. It would be amazing to work for him. Bro, I just called the number to his office. And shout out to my uh, my sis, Lashana, you heard me? She was working the front desk at the time. She answered the phone, and she was like, hey, how you doing? Um, I was like, look, I'm a college student trying to get an uh, internship, and I sent my resume over. They hired me just like that. I didn't get paid. Wow. I didn't get paid, but I was up here in New York. I was living in the Bronx that summer and interned with him. I was on the game's street team. So years later, the game was on my last album I just dropped a few months ago. Mm-hmm. So to go from interning and working on the game's street team to him being a collaborator on my album, that's like a full circle moment, bro. But it showed me that summer, it showed me that I don't want to be in this industry unless I could be an artist. Because I seen a lot of people who was pushing music that after they finished promoting the music, they would look at me and say, man, I don't even want my own kids listening to that music. Mm-hmm. But this is just my job. I was like, ooh, yeah. I wouldn't want to have to live my life like that. You got to push something that you don't even really stand behind because yeah. it's your job. I was like, the only way I'd be in this game is if I could be an artist because I could control my narrative. How many times you got called Poppy in the Bronx? I know they confused you for Spanish. Uh-huh. Man, they did. The yeah. And I was like, bro, I'm I'm black, bro. I'm <laughs> from New Orleans. You heard me? As soon as I said you heard me, they was like, oh, he ain't from oh, no, around he not here. not from here. He ain't from here. When did you first realize you were using your gifts? We're welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Teledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the coaches surrounding the league. 
Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give us his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will be bringing his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoop takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. For their intended purpose. Well, the first time I did a uh, show, it was a it was a a talent show at LSU, and uh, Miss Afeni Shakur was at my school, right? Wow. Tupac's mom. Mm-hmm. And when I got off stage, I didn't win first place, second place, or third place in that talent show. But when I got off stage, she was like, "Young brother, your passion on that microphone, when I see you perform, reminds me of my son." And when she told me that, I was like, "Oh." I got something special. Like, even if people not recognizing it in the moment, I got something special. Tupac mama just told me this. You feel mm-hmm. me? And at that point, I was like, all right, I know if I use this for the purpose it was designed for, it could be life changing. Bro, I got letters in my pocket, bro, from students who, like, when I visit these middle schools and these high schools, 
they they write me letters about like how much my music has inspired them and they wanting to be like me. They writing raps and they giving this to me when I come to their school. Like I see this, you know, I'm speaking at a school. By the time I get off, uh, off stage, the little girl then like drew a picture of me. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. this powerful, yo. Like this is organic stuff that I experience on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, who would I, who would I be to, to have a watered down message when I know that this message could be life-changing for people in a good or bad way. And you're a professor, right? So yeah, at Tufts University. And you teach students about the intersection of hip-hop and social change. Yes, sir. Break, break wow. that down. Yeah, so my course that I designed is all about how hip-hop has been used to make social change in the past and how we can use it to make social change moving forward. Because, unfortunately, it's kind of veered in the direction of, yo, um... I'm just trying to get the bag. I ain't even a rapper. I'm just a game spitter. I'm just a hustler. You know, it's kind of veered in that direction. So people now focused on making change via hip hop. Right. And I'm just saying, yo, as a class, we're going to learn how different artists have been able to use their platform to really make real change. I was on tour with Macklemore when the thrift shop song came out Mm -hmm. doing a nationwide tour with him. I saw the change that they were making, even in the LGBTQ community, when they had the same love song, Mm -hmm. I saw all of the legislation that they were a part of and how they had people getting married at the shows and all this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm seeing real social change be made via hip hop. I done seen um, the impact that Air Force Ones then had on a whole, co- you know, a whole right. country yeah. make people want. So we just study about that stuff in my class, bro. And I'm empowering my class to want to make music, but also cre- uh, consume music that's going to make change. Because why are you consuming music that's glorified? Like, one assignment I had for my class was to write Kodak Black a letter while he was in jail just now. Wow. Mm-hmm. Kodak wow. just got out last week. Wow. And me wow. and Kodak are cool. So we were DMing yesterday, and Kodak hit me like, yo, I got all them letters from you and your class. Oh, he was like, that stuff really inspired wow. me. Thank you, bro. Y'all snapped. I want to come and visit your class. Kodak is a perfect example. I was going to ask you, too, what strategies do you use? So I want to get back to Kodak. But other than like writing letters to Kodak, like what other things have you done? Yeah, so my class is actually creating an album. You know what I mean? Wow. My class is creating an album because I want to show them how hard it is to create hip-hop and actually make it make social change. Because nowadays, if you want to have a message in your music, you automatically the underdog. But I love mm-hmm. that my students could be like, wait, Professor D1 is dropping music, is on the freaking breakfast club. Like, it's possible. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Totally independent, 100% independent. They see that it's possible, but I want them to see the things that they didn't see, which is me and you connecting 10 years ago, mm-hmm. me and you connecting almost 10 years ago. Y'all seeing me grinding. I'm making my class do this as they create an album because making the music is the easy part, but make the music connect with people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm showing them with a little, a little uh, tough love, you know, that like we're going to learn about artists who have done it successfully. We're going to learn about artists who were on the right path, but then they let the bag get in their way mm-hmm. and they change their message uh, along the way. And then we're going to learn how to do it as an artist. Can't you be multifaceted though? Can't you be... Can't you glorify killing and want to save the world? No. Well, no, but maybe can you be a social justice advocate and just be a street rapper from Philly talking about your experiences? You can definitely be... And uh, by, by the way, bro, I hope that, you know, I hope that it's not still out in the in the air that uh, D1 has an issue with Meek Mill, Jim Jones, and, and Rick Ross. I hope that's not... Well, you were specific. That's, that was the other thing too. I think that if you weren't specific and you just were talking about generally, rappers, right. I think the message would have been received a little bit better. Because when you have, whenever you 
you know, address somebody as an individual, they're going to take it personal. Gotcha. They just are. And, 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 that, and that wasn't my intention for yeah. anybody to take that personal because mm-hmm. I literally, like, I love all them brothers in a real sincere way, bro. This ain't just no, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just saying that, da-da-da. No, in a real way. But when you use examples to make your point, if somebody say, man, people in the NBA need to uh, conduct themselves better off the court, that's super vague. When you say, man, John Morant need to stop, uh, you know, flashing guns in his videos. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a real example. All right, cool. Have you spoke to those brothers a- after? Man, me and Jim have texted each other, and it was all love via text. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope to link up with Jim while I'm out here in New York mm-hmm. in person. Like, that'll be love. That's going to be the next How step. did that conversation happen on text? Um, did you hit him or he hit you? Or? No, a mutual contact. Uh, my brother Antonio and my brother Shabazz, uh, the OG, they, um, they, they linked us via text, right? And then uh, I sent him a video one day, man. I woke up one day and I was like, man, all of this middleman and stuff and group text. I sent him a personal video speaking from the heart for a minute. Mm-hmm. Jim, this D1, brother, da-da-da. This was my heart. This was my intentions. This is my background, da-da-da. Put that out there to him. That brother hit me back in five minutes. I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, this means a lot. I respect what you stand for. You know, we should have a conversation. He said, because I realize sometimes in life, People are trying to get to the same destination, but they're just taking two different routes. I respect the heck out of that. So we haven't met in person yet. We haven't verbally talked, but we text. With Meek and Ross, um, I haven't communicated with them directly. I know people who know all of them, you know, so I would love for the link to be made Mm -hmm. uh, just so they know, like, bro, this ain't no. I just want us to be the best version of ourselves, man, Mm -hmm. because it confuses the kids if we are giving turkeys away, giving toys away, giving shoes away, advocating for for social justice reform, but then glorifying the opposite type of message in our music. And that's all I'm saying, you know? Mm -hmm. Is it ever appropriate to use unconventional means to achieve righteous righteous ends? Um, It depends on what those unconventional means are, bro. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, I wouldn't get up here right now and disrespect any of y'all physically or verbally to say, hey, the goal was to go viral. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some niggas will. <laughs> a lot of them will to yeah. go viral. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. The, nah, like I, I don't think that that's that's just not how I'm cut. I'm not that thirsty for validation or for fame. Mm-hmm. Like I, I actually been famous for a long time. You know what I mean? Uh, I haven't, I haven't taught since I was Fredo's teacher. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's like over a decade ago, brother. Like, like I'm good. I'm in a great space mentally, physically, financially, all that stuff. So for me, it's like. The slow grind to continue rising might not come along with the antics, but it comes along with integrity. It's making God proud. It's making my grandparents, my my parents proud, mm-hmm. and it's giving people a blueprint. You know that that viral stuff, man. You'll be here today and gone tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Can, can you talk about uh, being in this world but not of this world? I know on the song "Line Drawn" on on the intro, you say that. Yeah. So "Lines Drawn" is me saying like, yo. This whole industry has become content with a state of lukewarmness, bro. Like, like we cool with, all right, this song, we popping mileage, we, we popping pills, we selling dope. This song, we doing something positive, and, and we cool with, with consuming it all. That's why other communities don't take us serious. You can't play with gay people like that. You can't play with Jews like that because they don't play with themselves like that. But when they see us disrespecting ourselves, they're like, man, the black people, they're not tripping, man. Like, it, it is what it is. They glorify killing themselves. Who, who cares if we disrespect them, you know? With uh, with that being said, does everybody in here believe in God? Of course. 100%. 100%. If we all can say that, then that should make it way easier to understand my why. Why I do what I do. It's because I don't serve my fans. I don't serve the industry. I don't serve Instagram. I serve God. And I'm simply using my music as a vehicle to reach people. 
but I'm not serving them people. So if we all look at what our slingshot is and what our gifts are and say, how can I use this gift to be of service to God? Automatically, it'll be like, oh, there's no way that I can justify glorifying killing and glorifying just a bunch of negativity um, to say that, well, I'm trying to make money. So that's going to justify it at the end of the day. There's no way. So I said, I'm drawing lines and I'm, and I'm saying, what side of the line are you on? Do you want to represent righteousness or you want to represent evil? And drawing that line in the sand, that's made a lot of people in hip hop uncomfortable. Because mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, I got to pick a side. I was comfortable in the middle. I ain't want to have to pick a side. We was mm-hmm. all comfortable in the middle, actually. Yeah. Man, I'm just drawing a line. That's all. And that's why I put that song out. That's the first song on my album. And that song's shaking things up. You heard me? How often do you get a student that still just goes against the grain? You know what I mean? Like, you know, because everybody's not going to go... You know, everybody's not going to do the same thing. You yeah. know, I know you help a lot of students. I can definitely tell that you help a lot of a lot of kids. But like yeah. how many how often do you get the ones that it's like, nah, every day I got students in the graveyard right now mm-hmm. who ain't want to listen. Mm-hmm. They resting in peace, mm. like literally, mm. literally. Mm. Man, that stuff tough, man. One of my students, G Money, he was a popular rapper in Baton Rouge. You know, he got murdered a few years ago. That was Fred O'Bane's rapping partner. They was in a group together. Yeah. Man, he got murdered. Man, I was talking to him two days before he got murdered. He was involved in some beef down there in Louisiana. And I wanted him to come with me to a show I had in Memphis at the time. But he ain't answer his phone when I hit him up. And I didn't want to seem like I was bothering him, right? But I was like, man, get out the city, man. Come with me for the weekend. Let me just pour into you, bro. And he ain't come with me to that show. He got murdered before I could make it back home. You know what I mean? But I knew that it's like you involved in this beef, but... It's because you're getting caught up in wanting to play this role of who G Money is instead of the young brother that I know Garrett Burton is, you know. And I just seen hip hop make people do that, man. Like, Mm -hmm. I got adrenaline running through me right now, man. I'm on the breakfast club. It's going to make people, like, want to amplify something inside of them. Thankfully, though, because I know I'm serving God, I'm like, amplify the righteousness in you, D. Like, don't amplify, because I got darkness in me, too. Mm -hmm. I got wretchedness. I got craziness. I got... uh, evil in me as well we all do but i don't want to amplify that part i try to suppress that part as much as possible but man i see people make the wrong decisions every day and i just try to i try to still be here for them. we got to still have grace with people you feel yeah. me mm-hmm. and what could you tell like my black son he's 11 years old right and what i noticed about him is you know he lives between me my mother and his father mm. so that's three different households you know because what i do and what his dad does you know i'm always on the road I, I live in new jersey now he's between here and baltimore and then his dad total different household he has siblings there i don't have other children yet i'm pregnant right now but uh it's, it's a different it's different households so it's different things that i don't allow him to do that his dad may allow him to do that yep. my mom don't so he's he's Listening to gospel when he was heard, but down when he—that's not what he want to listen to. He's listening to NBA Young Boy in school and stuff like that, and I notice a mood change. You know, not to, you know, shit on NBA Young Boy or anything like that, because he has things that he's going through as well, and he makes that very known. But my son's mood will change. He'll he'll get like down a little bit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But he loves to listen to him. Right now. I listen to all types of things. I'll have him listen. To my, my son know Marvin Gaye songs. Come on. He knows Anita Baker. Come on. Like, he knows so many different, because it's different. I listen to rap. I listen from everything to rap, rhythm and blues, rock, all of that. Right. But I notice how it's a change. It, it is. It's a mood. And, and influence from music is very impactful, because 
my son just goes into a different mood when he listens to like um uh Juice World and an NBA young boy and I'm like, Why are you listening to that? Come on. He like, I like it. I'm like, Can you understand what they saying? No, not like that. Not like, like that. But he understands some of that stuff. And it puts them in a different mood. You get what I'm saying? It literally changes your mood. You know, it's life and death in the power of the tongue. That's Proverbs 18 and 21. Like, it don't say life and death in the power of the beat. You hear me? The beat could change your mood or your frequency, but life and death is in the power of those lyrics. So that's why it's like, we all say we believe in God. Mm-hmm. So we can't ignore that scripture. That's real. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm like, bro, I don't even want to play about something that could have life and death implications. You feel me? And that's just real, yo. So now it's like, Instead of just being the, the person that's anti this, anti that, I got to be just as dope, but in a different lane. So that's why I got to be able to counteract the murder music with stuff like, I don't care if you know me. You about to respect how I step. Why would you think I'd ever fear you? I don't even fear death. A scary boy need a gun like bad breath need a gum. Yeah, your teeth clean, but I know the power of the tongue. I'm a man of God. I ain't superstitious. From New Orleans, where Birdman quotes get treated like Bible scriptures. But me, I ain't the type to brag about what I done bought. I make silent moves, but I get loud results. If D1 talk about his pain, you gon' really relate. D1 talk about his paper, you gon' know that he's straight. D1 rap on top of your beat, you gon' know that he ate. D1 rap on top of your beat, you gon' know that he ate. You bragging about what you done been through, partner? We survivors too. And you call them boys your brothers, but which one's gon' ride for you? Ain't no G-code no more, but the streets done lied to you. That's why I be in my bag. But I be in my Bible, too. They don't like me, but they know they can't deny me. Man, I'm a real gangster, and they know right where to find me. G-A-N-G-S-T-A. Do not try me. Growing and nurturing gifts, serving the Almighty. Keep up. A lot of people feel how I be feeling, but don't speak up. I be out at Harvard in my office with my feet up. God, why are you so good to me? I need answers. Slaves built this school. Now I own real estate on campus. That's how I got to come, bro. I dare you And I really own real estate. Charlamagne, I dare you say that ain't it, bro. I dare I you say that. that. That's oh, a lie. When it is what it is, you don't got to say nothing. But of course that was dope. That's right. What would you, you do own a uh, land on Harvard, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How much? I yeah, it. I own, I own. So it's this huge, huge multi-purpose facility that's being built. It's going to be Office buildings is going to be mixed income housing and it's going to be um, a student academic center that's being built. We just broke ground on it. What that was December 1st. Mm-hmm. So I'm part of a team. It take a team to make something big like that happen, mm-hmm. brother. And thankfully, I was connected to brilliant black minds that were like, yo, go. man, we got an opportunity to own real estate on Harvard's campus when our ancestors built this school man we got to do that and I was like bet that's what I'm using my money on I ain't, I don't need the newest car I drive a Honda Accord proudly mm-hmm. I don't need a Bugatti I can have that I can have a Lambo at this point I don't need none of that man give me that real estate on Harvard's campus right. you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying well, there you have you it. know uh, hold on, I got a couple more questions for D1 because you've you've been propositioned to compromise yourself at different points in this industry, right? I know what you're talking about. I don't want... If you're not going to say I'm not going to say No, let's but, say it. Okay. But yeah, say it. Since, I mean, is it true that you were pressured to participate in homosexual acts for a major... Is it true that you were pressured to participate in homosexual acts for... Where'd you get that? I didn't see that on this. No, it's very true. No, no, it's true. No, it's very true. I don't know how you heard that. Maybe you heard another uh, interview or something. Mm-hmm. It's very true, brother. That's when I was... That's when I was a local rapper trying to get on. And when people see that you are vulnerable because they know they got the leverage, there's certain people in this industry who will be like, oh, 
I think he'll be willing to do something strange for a piece of change. Dang. You know what I mean? And I had somebody, I was trying to get somebody to manage me at the time. And the person I was trying to get to manage me, I drove out of town. I went to a video shoot that they were a part of. And during the video shoot, we were, we were going to have a meeting and talk about that. And yeah, that person kind of, you know, implied to me like, yo, like I'll manage you. You just got to do something for me. You hear me? Yikes. Yeah. And when you see them managing artists now, you like, yeah. Man, that, so actually that person. Jesus Christ. Yeah, bro. No, this a real thing, dog. Mm -hmm. This ain't no, I'm surprised y'all don't know most stories like that. I do. No, we do. We know a lot of them. So but not about you. Oh, just, yeah, just, but yeah. but it's yeah. a so it's a real thing that I know. And unfortunately, people. So that person, they not like some big mogul nowadays. Whatever mm -hmm. trajectory they were on, like they 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 fell off. Yeah. Right. I say that. But I want people to know that story because I could have said yes, and I could have I could have had something to this day that's a huge skeleton in my closet that I'm like, damn, bro, mm -hmm. like. I'm traumatized behind that, and I had to do that to get on. Mm -hmm. All I had to do to get on was be real, be righteous, and be relevant. You heard me? Yeah. So, keep God first, man. Absolutely. And um, I want to ask you one last thing about imposter syndrome, because you got a record called Imposter Syndrome, yeah. and you're clearly at a place of worthy right now. So when did you get to that place of worthy and was able to say, you know what, I know who I am? Man, anytime I'm entering a, a space where I feel like I'm being tolerated and not celebrated. Shout mm -hmm. out to you for that. I got that from you. Mm -hmm. I still feel a sense of impo imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. In the music industry, for the most part, I feel like they tolerate me, but they don't celebrate me, right? Mm -hmm. My fans, man, my fans want me to win so bad. That's why my fans, like, we'll name our own price, D. We'll pay for your album. We, we, we'll go stream it too, but we'll pay up to $1,000 for your album. I got fans that love me. But the industry, bro, I still feel like they're like, dang, he got so many followers. He making so much noise. We got to let him on this. So we got to open this door for him. But they just tolerate me. They don't necessarily celebrate me. Mm -hmm. So I still feel imposter syndrome a lot of times when I'm in industry spaces. Because you can kind of tell when people are like, you're too big and too powerful at this point to not have you here. But we ain't necessarily like championing you. Like you mm -hmm. can see the industry pushing some people to the forefront. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it keeps me humble. It keeps me with a chip on my shoulder. It keeps me feeling like I'm that underdog from New Orleans. I'm David with more Goliaths to have to fight. You think it's more like Sharif and Menace, though? It's like, oh, here come D1 again. He about to preach to us and tell us put the weed down and put the liquor down. And man, that's, I, I don't, bro, because I, I never get that from people that are like, man, you come across preachy or anything mm -hmm. like that. I'm passionate, but... Yeah. That's why I'm able to be on the phone with a Boosie, on the phone with a Kodak Black, you know what I mean? Kicking it with Manny Fresh, Juvenile, like all these, like, man, I'm just a regular dude, bro. I'm really just a regular dude yeah. who is simply not a slave to money, and I know who I serve, who is who we say we all serve, which is God. So because of that, cool, man, I can't be content with things that's not glorifying God that's happening on my watch and in my space. While I'm in this industry, man, I got a... a Bro, I'm on a breakfast club right now, man. I got to say some stuff that's going to impact people even after we long gone and we're not on this earth no more. I, yeah. I understand it because the, the, the negative is definitely Shh. amplified. So when people say things like, man, how come D1 just don't reach out to some of these people personally? I mean, you got to say what you're saying about the positive and you got to amplify that too, right? Like that got to be said publicly if the negative is public. Thank you, bro. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Listen, man, mm -hmm. public actions deserve public responses. Mm hmm we have an industry that is putting this music out publicly every day. If I go on every playlist in the world right now, it's being curated with murder music, 
with music that's disrespecting our women, that's glorifying drug dealing. With that being said, man, it's got to be addressed publicly. Mm-hmm. It can't be like, why you don't hit all these individual artists up behind the scenes? And I'm not interested in, let me go at the industry. Who is the industry? I don't know who the industry is. Mm-hmm. Y'all had uh, Leo Cohen on here talking about, hey, them people got to... Hey, I got mouths to feed too. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying, yeah. man? Listen, America doesn't want to uh, heal your trauma. America wants to monetize your trauma. Mm-hmm. This industry don't want to heal your trauma. They want to monetize your trauma. So I'm like, let me empower the artists and the fans to simply be smarter and say, let's continue to make hip hop. Let's continue to listen to hip hop, but let's make a healthier version of it that's going to be better for all of us. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Talk to us about the platinum pledge before you get out of here. The platinum pledge. Oh, man. Before you you go into that, you know, I want to ask you, you mentioned um, the game. Yes. Now, how do you decide who you're working with, right? Because the game has been a rapper who's been one of those rappers. He's been on both sides, right? He's positive songs. He uplifts, but he's been a shooter, too. Yeah. So how do you decide who D1 is working with? Because somebody might say that you work with the game, and the game is, he's on that line. He ain't a thousand percent. So the game is a sinner, right? D1 is a sinner, too. Mm Mm-hmm. There's nobody on the face of this earth that I won't sit down with, that I won't work with. You Mm -hmm. hear me? The book that I add here to the Bible in Mark chapter two, verse 17, I believe it says healthy people don't need a doctor. Mm -hmm. Sick people do. Mm -hmm. With that being said, what would I look like to say? Oh, man, I can't associate with the game or I can't associate with Kevin Gates. These are artists. I what you mean? They people just like me. That's Mm -hmm. why I've collaborated with them. And I collaborate with anybody on the face of this earth, man. Mm -hmm. Like we not supposed to sit here and point a finger and judge people. Man, we got stuff. Me and the game both lost loved ones to gun violence. Mm -hmm. That's what the song is about. Me and Kevin Gates, we both come up in southern Louisiana, man. The song is about what we done seen behind people chasing money mm-hmm. when we, we got music together. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, I got a song coming out with Project Pat mm-hmm. in two weeks. I got a song coming out with Raheem Devon mm-hmm. in a week. Like, bro, like, I'm out here. Mm-hmm. I, I done collaborated with Lupe Fiasco, Big Crit, you know, all kind of people, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I want to do because I love making people say he belong in this box. And I love mm-hmm. breaking that box and making a hit. And people be like, wait, what? That wasn't supposed to work. I was with Killer Mike two weeks before the Grammy Awards in Atlanta. That's my big brother. I went on my first tour with Killer Mike. Mm-hmm. Man, it was so powerful to see that brother win mm-hmm. three Grammy Awards, bro. It let me know that a shift is happening right now. Mm-hmm. This the time right now for all the boxes to be broken. Oh, you too old. Nope. Killer Mike just won a Grammy Award. Oh, you got a message in your music. People don't want to hear that. Nope. Killer Mike just won three Grammy Awards. Right. We got to mm-hmm. So with that being said, it's time for us to all come together, man. Can't nobody say, why would you work with this artist or this artist? Me and Fred O'Bain got a song about to drop. You know what I'm saying? What would I look like to not work with my student just because it's like, oh, man, well, you you be rapping about some different stuff than me, bro, so I can't do that. No, nah, because people would say, you know, you point a finger at, let's say, an artist like Jim Jones. Would you do a record with Jim? Or you point man, a finger I, at a I already like got Jim. a record for Jim. If he, mm-hmm. if he would be down to hop on it, man, I got it. A, a ton of songs that I'm like, Jim, I think this would be fire for us. But if not, because people love to call you a clout chaser, right? You're bringing mm-hmm. him in your world, probably. Oh, I'm always bringing people into my yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. And if I do a song, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you got to respect my platform. I don't curse in my music. You know what I'm saying? Hey, if you could respect that, the game hit me and said, guess what, Lil Bro? This is the first song in my whole career I'm not going to curse on. Right. But I'm going to do that for you. That's a testimony, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So, of course, I'll do a song with Jim Jones, with Meek Mill, with Rick Ross. But if it don't come to that, it's okay because it's not about that, brother. I'm good already. Like, generational wealth has been built already. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? The impact is being made. The calendar is full with speaking engagements and booking and touring and all that. So, the Platinum Pledge. All right. Mm-hmm. 
in the music industry, the highest standard of success is gone platinum, right? Mm-hmm. So I turn platinum into an acronym. It stands for People Leading a Transformation Involving Newly Unified Mindsets. That's what platinum stands for. The platinum pledge simply says that we are taking a vow that we will not create, support, or promote music that's glorifying murder, glorifying drug dealing, glorifying the disrespect of our women, and glorifying sexual irresponsibility. Mm. That's the platinum pledge. And I'm unifying people to say, yo, there's actually more of us who agree with this Mm -hmm. than don't agree with this. Mm -hmm. But the industry will make you feel like, man, I'm the only one, or I'm lame if I don't want to hear murder music. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So the platinum pledge, brother, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people have signed it already, bro. Mm -hmm. Now I'm on the Breakfast Club talking about it. People could go to my website, d1music.com, D-E-E, the number one, music.com, and go sign the Platinum Pledge. And I'm unifying all these thousands of people together to say, now here is how we create a healthier hip-hop space for all of us. That's what the Platinum Pledge is, bro. I would love for y'all to sign it. You're definitely going to sign it. Real talk, man. That's, that's, bro, that is life-changing, bro. That is life-changing when we see this ain't about canceling nobody. This ain't about we don't love this person. We want everybody to be a part of this shift, but we want to make it together, man. That's huge, bro. So that's what the Platinum Pledge is. And I've been doing these meetings going from city to city called Rappers Only. Mm Mm-hmm. In New Orleans, I kicked it off in my hometown. We had a hundred rappers in the same room. Mm. Gangster rappers, Christian rappers, uh, backpack rappers, uh, females, all kind of stuff, right? And we in there, rappers only, and we talking about what's the mental side of what goes into why we make the music we make. Uh, monetarily, like how important is it to make money off of the music we make? Uh, what's the message we want to put out there? It's basically therapy for artists. And me doing this and doing these rappers only meetings from city to city, this stuff is making artists feel like, damn, bro, like finally I could express some stuff that I couldn't express to my fan base or I couldn't express like to other people that don't just get me, man. I'm trying to unify us so we could be better, bro. And not trying. We doing it at this point. You heard me? Give me your Twitters and Instagrams and all that stuff, D1. All my social media is D1 Music, D-E-E, the number one music. You heard me? All my social media and on uh, streaming platforms is just D1, D-E-E, dash the number one. I got 11 albums out and counting. Y'all go check it out. Newest album from the hood to Harvard, please. And look, I want to bless y'all with these patches, limited edition patches. Yeah. Be real, be righteous, be relevant. That's my collaboration I just did with Levi's. Envy, I got you, brother. Thank you, brother. You know I mean? Yeah, man. So that that's my motto. When I say three is up, that's what it means, brother. Be real, be righteous, be relevant. And hip-hop, I know we could do all them things, mm. and we're going to win together. Congratulations you go. you on the collaboration. Brother. Thank right. y'all, man. Yes. I can't wait to see y'all next time, bro, because we got to keep Thank this journey you. going. You know Absolutely. I mean? That's right. Yeah. Well, it's D1. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Wake that ass up. In the morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. 
That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.